Welcome back to the Nervous Comic Podcast. I'm so glad you've decided to join us. Today, I'm going to jump into new material for my act. The scariest thing a stand-up comedian can do. And as a special treat, in the studio with me to help me along is my good friend Elaine Elrod, who is the producer and keeps all the technical things going for this podcast. And without her dedication and organization, we would not be here. So uh, when you hear her voice, that's not me, that's her. And she'll just be making sure I stay on track. So in your act, you talk a lot about heterosexual relationships. So I'm wondering, what are some of your views about men and women and their differences? I mostly observe women, uh, of course. Being heterosexual, you know, we spend lots of time trying to impress women. You know, this is our thing. It's in, kind of inbred. We're always doing things like, how do we connect? How do we, how do we approach women? How do we impress them? You know, and of course, you know, there's traditional ways. You know, of course, you right away you think, oh, well, you know, flowers, candy, jewelry, and these are nice things. But you're always wondering what really attracts women. And and I think even when you ask that question, you don't really get the straight answer, you know, like, oh, we want somebody who's honest and kind and loving. But I'm telling you, fellas, if you see a woman around a dog or a cat, they love animals. They, <laughs> they go crazy. I have two cats and <laughs> my wife loves the cats. My daughter loves the cats. Uh, and then the cats just look at me and go, hey, see, they like me better than you. Ha, ha. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and so what does this mean for us men? Does it mean we've got to dress up like cats? <laughs> some men do, yes. <laughs> yeah, some men do. I don't know if this impresses you ladies. It probably would scare you. Usually if they're in a musical, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe in a musical, but I'm just like... And... I suppose rather than dressing up as a cat or a dog, I guess, um, you could get a poodle. Mm -hmm. uh, and this this is kind of like, I, I don't know, attracts women like, you know, honey, oh, what a nice puppy, you know, like, because, you know, which is a little opposite of what, you know, men try to be, you know, because, you know, you know, big dogs and we're big guys and we're tough, right? You know, and then just to have like a small dog, maybe, you know, and just as a focal point, you know, going to talk about it and then, you know, oh. It's a beautiful puppy, so cute. <laughs> Which is fine. I've seen makeover shows where they do that, make the guy walk with a little poodle. <laughs> and there's a trade-off there, you know, because it's like, well, you know, maybe you'll get more dates, but you're sure going to hear about it from your buddies. Hey, <laughs> you know, like, well, us guys, <laughs> nice puppy, huh? <laughs> I mean, you'll... You hear an earful from your friends about how, you know, it's not a real man's dog, but eh, that's the world we live in. I also noticed something about men. Women are good at a lot of things. Men, a few things. Uh, one of the things we, we kind of excel over women is keeping secrets. Hmm. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's true. It's true. It's not because we're more discreet. It's because we have really bad memories. Oh. And if you were telling us, and even when you were telling us the secret, we probably weren't listening. So oh. <laughs> there is a 
There is one thing I would like to ask the ladies to do when they're dating. Mm-hmm. Now, I get it. You know, there's when you're dating people, you're trying to find the right person. And I know sometimes you ladies, you need to break things off. And that's fine. You know, like uh, we we have to do the same thing on our side. But, and I know you don't want to say anything bad, but don't tell us we're a nice guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, we don't want to hear that, you know, because nice guy, that's not even in the friend zone. (laughs) You're you're a nice guy. It's like, you know, it's going to be like... Oh, well, she thought I was a nice guy. That, that, that's that's not even, not even friends. And your guys, are, you know, your buddies are going, how'd the date go? Well, she thinks I'm a nice guy. I'm like, oh, that's that's great. You're getting somewhere. <laughs> you know? So how do you think the podcast is going? Well, I think it's going really well. In fact, it's a great project and it's a great way to get my name out there. It's uh, also kind of scary, but I'm hoping it'll take me places. And when it does take you places, what are you going to do when you're rich and famous? Yes, rich and famous. All us comedians, that's what we want. The rich and famous. Well, that's always a dream. I mean, comedy is fantastic and it's it's great entertaining people. But of course, most entertainers, we always think it'd be great because then you'd be making money. For me, maybe I'd be living in L.A., performing lots. And of course, I dream about jokes I might play. And I always think, because when you get to a certain level, the tabloids are going to start following you around looking for any misbehavior that you might do. Mm. So I'm going to (laughs) pre-plan my misbehavior. (laughs) So in movies, quite often I've heard, and it's probably true, that a lot of big stars have butt doubles. Mm. So I'm going to hire more of a body double. And basically hire some very, you know, in shape, chiseled guy who might sort of look like me just to misbehave and just to get pictures in the tabloids. So for instance, go to the washroom, switch clothes or switch hats and glasses or something like that, and then have my body double streak through a bar or something like that. Of course, the paparazzi, they take pictures, they post them and they they go, oh, kibashik. And then If I want to get into real trouble having fights where my shirt gets ripped off. This is all very natural. (laughs) Yeah, it's all very natural. But it would get me lots of press, you know, like bad boy is doing something else. And then eventually I figure the joke will run its course. Eventually the tabloids are going to start to catch on and going, hey, this isn't the same guy. He just does this as a promotion for himself. He's not in this great shape. He doesn't have pecs like that. And to bring it all to a head, I'd wait till Oprah invites me onto her show. Mm -hmm. And before the show, (laughs) secretly send her a picture of a shirtless, out of shape me. And when I get there, it'll be like a, you know, a six month period where all these shenanigans will be going on and there'll be pictures in the tabloid and eventually maybe headlines Oh, Kabashik, not the real streaker. Kabashik, not really this much in shape. And then I always thought it'd be funny. It's like, well, it's not you, is it, Tim? And I'll go, you got me. It's I have a body double that does all these things and I'll bring him on. And I'm always thinking it'd be great to bring in Arnold Schwarzenegger, introduce him as my body double and he'll be dressed like me. And of course, it'd be obviously not my body double and get a laugh from that. And then Oprah was like, no, no, that's not your body double, obviously. And <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. You got me, Oprah. And 
I always imagined that I'll bring in my real body double and you know, be this really in shape guy. And then behind me, she'll go, and we have a picture of the real you and a picture of your actual body double. And it'll be this pasty out of shape me beside my actual body double who, who's all chiseled. And there'll be a lot of this, ha ha ha, see, yeah, you're just this out of shape comedian. You know, everybody will laugh. And just at the height of that, this is where the timing comes in. Six months before, I'll have a fitness coach to get me into shape. And so I'll be working really hard six months before the show. And then as they're laughing at me, I'll take off my shirt Mm -hmm. and I'll have a six pack and I'll be all bronzed. And that's when Oprah will suspend me from her show. Okay. (laughs) I wondered how that was going to happen. Okay. But seriously, you do a lot to keep in shape. You go on these really long distance marathon bike rides in the Rocky Mountains and you do a lot of exercise. I'm wondering about your diet. Have you been spending a lot of time at Dairy Queen? Yeah, that's my uh, Achilles heel. I always think it evens out, but it just evens out at my gut, really. I used to get a blizzard, and those are great treats. I mean, there are a million calories, but it's weird. When you buy a blizzard, there must be some policy where they, before they give it to you, they turn it upside down and show you how thick it was, and I'm like, oh, yeah, can I, can I just have my blizzard, you know, like, just <laughs> hand it over? Like, uh, I'm in a hurry. Yeah, I get it. It's thick, you know, like, yeah, like, like I always think it's like this aggressive, you know, like, uh, thick enough for you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's thick enough. I got it. I got it. You know, and I'm like, I always think, you know, what, what spawned this? You know, why, you know, like, was it some whiny guy going, I don't think your ice cream's very thick and you should prove it. And, you know, <laughs> you know okay, we got to do this. Some people know they're thick. Or was it just a smackdown by the CEO of McDonald's, you know, trash talking the CEO of Dairy Queen, you know, like when they had a golf tournament and he lost and he's like, oh yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we have more franchises, our burgers taste better and our ice cream's thicker. And what did the DQ guy go, oh, draw the line at ice cream buddy and then he got all pissed off and got his creative team together and they go oh yeah we'll turn it upside down you know and then then they'll know it's thick you know i'm like oh okay and but it's it's just seems like the silliest thing ever you know like would would tim hortons do that throw their coffee at you is hot enough for you here you go (laughs) yeah so anyways that's speaking of tim hortons i think you also have a thing for coffee and donuts are you still going there every day Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I probably have more of a double double six pack. <laughs> it's my weakness. I do go there and way too much. Like they know me there. They serve me. They know they want a large double double. It's a treat because I remember the old days at Tim Hortons before it got really corporate. They used to keep the donuts behind the counter and uh, sort of out of reach, kind of like a pharmacy. <laughs> you know, like, no, you can have a donut, but they're back there. All right. Don't get too close. We'll get it for you. Okay. Just you. You're not supposed to touch those. And as opposed to today where, you know, they're up front under lights in a showcase, always pushing them, you know, kind of like a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> you 
would know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. They, <laughs> they see me coming and they are always upselling, which is they're supposed to do that. And But uh, but I, I've, I've got a bit of a man's brain, you know, so it's usually when there's a woman trying to upsell these things, you know, they're, they smile. I think they're flirting with me, you know, and, you know, when they say anything else, would you like an espresso shot? And I don't hear any of that. I just hear, hey, handsome, how about some sugar? You know, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm always looking at the way other people behave there, too. And I don't know what it is. Everybody gets a sleeve now. and mm-hmm. uh, For their coffee. For their coffee. The hot cups. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I always like, I give some people a pass. I, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. But when I see a tough guy getting a sleeve for his coffee, I'm always like, what? <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> like, I think he's like, you know, not a real man. And I know that's not politically correct, but that's got to be in the back of your head. You know, can you like, can you imagine getting into some fist fight, you know, and some gangbanger or some other guy's like, hey, me and my buddy are going to mess you up. And I'm going, oh, yeah, well, me and my buddy are going to mess you guys up. And then the other guy's going to go like, hey. Isn't that the guy that gets sleeves for his coffee all the time? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, great. Why don't you just go home and get some hand cream and smooth out your hands before you come to the fight? No, I'm tough. No, forget it. It's done. (laughs) It's done. You're not a wingman. Get out of here. You You, you judge people at the Tim Hortons, okay? (laughs) Um, You also spend a lot of time just driving on the road, and I'm just curious what that's like. Well, that's an adventure. I'm usually driving (laughs) because I have a car and a license. So, of course, it can be a long trip. It usually is four, five, six, or more hours going one way. So... We get a lot of different characters, and sometimes you have really good conversations. These are other comedians that you're traveling with? Yeah, I usually pick up the one or sometimes two other guys. Usually just one guy, usually just a two-man show. And I guess I'm a listener, so uh, that sort of I nod my head and I'll listen. And I like listening to road stories and philosophy and, and everything. But of course, when you get two guys together, what do they talk about? Oh, they talk about women, right? You know, girlfriends we've had and encounters. And I tend to sit back and listen. And sometimes guys really, uh, they'll tell these long stories about their new girlfriend, you know, all the crazy sex they've had. And, oh, and then there was this girl. And, oh, I could get that girl. And then then this happened. And it does get tiring after a while. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, like a, after about the 20th story, you know, like, yeah, let me guess. She uh, wanted you from the start. She thought you were hilarious. She would look like, I don't know, whatever movie star, Raquel Welch in her prime or any uh, beautiful woman. And I think this guy ran out of stories. That was the first time I've ever heard a guy run out of stories about women because <laughs> he, he just stops in the middle and he goes, well, how about you? And he kind of caught me off guard. You know, I'm like, I'm like, what? <laughs> well, you, you're married, right? Like, oh, like, how's, you know, I've been talking about my sex life for the last three hours. Yeah. Actually, three hours and 45 minutes to be precisely. Uh, 
usually it's longer than that, you know. And but it was just, yeah, I think that's the only time that's ever happened. And then I, I just said, well, you know, for a married guy, it's not bad, you know. <laughs> I didn't get into details because I just, I just don't, yeah, I just don't think. I didn't have any good, you know, stories that like, oh, yeah, this and this and this. But I just, I think I had heard all the stories. And, and, and you know, first of all, it's a guy telling a story. Second of all, it's a comedian telling a story. So already, <laughs> already we have an imagination muscle that's well-developed. We have an exaggeration muscle that's well-developed. And they don't realize. <laughs> and it's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think... I don't remember who it was, but a friend of mine, and he, on the road, and he told me, again, it was like a, a series of stories of all these conquests of all these women he's had. Of course, they're all beautiful. Of course, you know, it all turned out. And another time, a friend of mine, I think he told me that he had, this woman had approached him and without him even knowing, had sex with him. And I'm like, What? <laughs> did you actually say that <laughs> like <laughs> i think you were aware but oh well uh you know you expect some exaggeration but it's it's all in good fun and then chiding each other too is, is pretty good <laughs> um <laughs> busting each other's chops and exchanging other road stories and it's usually a good bit of camaraderie you are probably one of the busiest people I know because you work full-time in an IT job and then you're usually very booked as a comedian and as an actor and as an improviser. So I'm just wondering, do you have a pretty good separation between your work and your family life or are you one of these people that's always on your phone? I have a pretty good separation, not usually always on my phone, but that's always a source of, well, sometimes people send me interesting messages and I always interpret them, you know, and, and not in a weird sort of way. One time a friend of mine, he was texting me, you know, and it's a good friend and he texts me on a regular basis and, you know, and I, I'm not always like text back right away, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because I don't always feel it's an emergency, but he, he started, I hadn't looked at my phone and and I caught up with this text and he had texted me the phrase that most men fear <laughs> <laughs> when their significant other says it, which is, we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, we need to talk. And he said, and I think he sent it a couple of times because I didn't respond right away. And so I was like, oh, no. You know, like, what have I done? No, and it was serious. We need to talk. I'm like, oh, I know this is bad when my wife says that. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what my friend is. So, you know, I, I instead of texting back, I called him. You know, I said, you know, because I thought, well, all right, better talk. You know, we need to talk. Okay, we need to talk. <laughs> well, yeah. Don't be such a dumbass, you know. <laughs> Call me, you know? you know. And so I called him, and he says, I'm busy right now. I don't have time to talk. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> we need to talk. So that leads into my next question. I think it would be cool for people in the listening audience to know when you do a bit or you're telling a joke, how much of it actually happened to you in your life 
And how much of it do you make up? And can you give us an example using one of your jokes? It's a bit of a, a little bit of both. Honestly, sometimes it comes from thoughts and sometimes uh, I exaggerate ideas and points. Of course, um, my wife, who was a theme in there, she's always got to remind people that I'm exaggerating some points. But one bit, I talk about uh, lingerie shopping. And it's a long, pretty intricate bit about going lingerie shopping and getting into trouble. And it would think I just thought it up, but it actually happened. Uh, <laughs> I was in Vancouver with my girlfriend at the time, and she wanted to go lingerie shopping. And it's a trap. It's a polarized situation because I figure in my own little man mind that for women, they're like, yeah, we're just buying underwear. You know, big deal. Salespeople are there. It's a polarized situation for men because it's like, we can't look anywhere because we're, we're always thinking, you know, there's underwear, you know, we think we're in the Playboy Mansion, you know, because there's <laughs> women around and then we're picturing them in lingerie. And it's like, that's exactly how I felt. I was really uncomfortable, but my girlfriend had found something to try on. And the sales lady knew I was there with my girlfriend and I was about to head out the door, but she was ready for it because this happens probably all the time. She says, we have a waiting area over here. <laughs> <laughs> right here. You can sit here. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> now I have to sit there. And I'm like, well, I can survive this. you know." So I sat down and waited for my girlfriend. And she went in and tried not to misbehave. And then this other lady came by who also had to try some laundry on. But she had her kids with her and she sat them down beside me <laughs> and i mean it took all my strength not to lean over and go hey are you waiting for your mom too you know like i just it's like <laughs> and i'm like oh no and that became part of a joke and then even the awkward part coming up to the counter so we're lined up to to buy this lingerie and it's all women, of course. There's all these women in front. There's a women cashiers. And they're talking about lingerie. And I'm just trying to look anywhere and not think about anything. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. Oh, no. And we almost got to the front. And the sales lady was talking about this lingerie. And she says, oh, and it fits really good here. But it tucks in there. And I looked at my girlfriend. I'll, I'll see you outside. I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm just, I am done. You know, like. It's, <laughs> but it, it, it turned into this great bit. And uh, I, I've used it for a long time. I, I've added a few tags to it. And it, it really relates well. I do have a spot in my act where I talk about when I used to date and all the silly things I used to do back then, like go out and drink till I was good looking, mm -hmm. which again, isn't an exaggeration, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I'm the only guy that employs that, you know, because you know, there's that point of like, damn, I'm good looking, <laughs> yeah, <Yep>. you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it doesn't usually work, but oddly enough, sometimes it does. And so, you know, I, I talk about the whole lingerie thing and I, I talk about taking my chances as dating and how that was a while ago and how my views have changed and how, you know, when I was dating, of course, I was looking at all the young women and I'd be like, wow, those girls are hot. I got to go meet them. You know, I want to get together with them. And I say, yeah, now when I see 
you know, some beautiful women. I point to a table, right? Like them over there. And I go, hey, I bet you her mom's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'll be drinking later. Come on, give me your mom's phone number. Come on. <laughs> Who's this Tim guy that called me? I don't know. I had a few drinks. I gave him your phone number. You seem nice, you know. Oh, no. Not that word again. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, you know, and it really, really looks well when ladies are there with their mother. And they're like, oh, <laughs> she's right there, you know, like, oh, well, I guess we're getting together, you know. And then, so. <laughs> so I th- I think what we're going to do is call this the middle of the set recordings. So could you explain that to the listeners what that means? Ah, the middle of the set recordings. So when you develop an act and bits, you traditionally put strong bits at the start and at the end. And you try to get a rhythm as well. And audiences are always, well, they can be finicky. So when you have new bits, a lot of times it's good to kind of sandwich them in the middle. So you have a, a, a sort of an established few funny bits that gets the crowd laughing. And then you try your new stuff. And if you get a decent reaction, that's great. And then you can carry on. But if it really goes south, you can basically recover and then use material after that. That's a rule of thumb. I'm sure there might be other comedians out there. Oh, no, are you kidding me? I use my new stuff right at the beginning, you know, like <laughs> sink or swim. But it's like, well, yeah, there are no rules, but yeah, it's and then. So this has all been new stuff, which takes some courage to share. And well, and maybe sometime in the future, we'll actually hear you using that stuff in your, in your act. Yeah, that's my plan. I might even record part of the podcast of me, you know, um, before the show, introducing that I'm going to try this bit in five minutes or just <laughs> as I'm going on stage. And we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And then have a recording of it, sink or swim. And then maybe have a uh, a follow up after the show because I think it would just I'm hoping it'd be interesting for the viewer and listeners. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm hoping uh, it'll also be valuable for me too. And writing that new material is always is so essential. I'm probably guilty not you know writing enough, but you just got to get into a habit and you just got to do it. And that's. Yeah, like you think of the great, some of the great comedians, George Carlin, you know, hours of material, Richard Pryor, I mean, like new specials on new specials on new specials and all great stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, prolific, Mm -hmm. prolific and which isn't easy. It's not, you know, and it's easy to get in a comfort zone because as well, you, you get comfortable with your bits and they work. Yeah. So it's always a risk, but it's a, it's a risk. You have to take, and it's well worth it. And so, but if somebody has a better idea on how to introduce new material, I'd love to hear it. So could, that's just my, uh, that's what I've read, and that's what I, I think is the best way. And where can they send those ideas? They can email uh, nervouscomic at gmail.com. You can send me suggestions or questions about comedy. We'll happily reply to that. And uh, any ideas for podcasts, I'm always open as well. Our podcast, if you have time to review it on iTunes or the Apple podcast, that's always great because that helps our podcasts 
viewership. We always like to hear from you, you know, whether we're doing good or bad. It's just like a, a comedy show, you know, um, sink or swim. You know, if you didn't like it, that's fine too. You know, just don't get too detailed why you don't like it, you know. Like <laughs> some people at comedy shows, they get really descriptive. You could have just stopped that it sucked, you know, like <laughs> I, I get it. You don't think I'm funny. All right. <laughs> We're not going to have a good relationship. Good. You'll never come to see me again. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that comes to the end of our podcast. Again, we'd like to thank Kevin Jacobson for letting us use his wonderful studio here and to encourage you to check out his website, cavemusic.ca. Cavemusic. Cave cavemusic.ca. Uh, uh, he's a great guy, and Cave Music Services is the name of the company. But check it out. And uh, much thank you to him. And uh, thank you to my uh, wonderful producer, Elaine Elrod, for keeping this all together and being the technical backbone of everything you hear tonight. So, And we got some support from Kevin as well, of course. Yes, and Kevin's yes. technical support too. Yes. And uh, all I did was sit here and, and talk on my chair. So, <laughs> And you did, you did bring your jacket. Oh, yeah, I did I did bring my jacket for anyone who already knows me, but maybe I should I've been wearing a jacket for a lot of my bits and the people who've seen me so so much whenever they see me at a comedy show without my jacket, that's the first question. Where's your jacket? You can't do your show without your jacket. And I'm like, "Okay, okay. Uh, I can be <laughs> funny panic. without the jacket." No, you can't. I'm like, "Okay." Hmm. But it's a good thing. It means people recognize me as like, "Hey, I like that comic, the guy with the jacket." even if they don't know my name it's identifiable so i think that's it if you have a few moments to uh, review our podcast again on the itunes or the apple podcast that'd be great leave a short comment really helps us out to all you in uh, internet land thank you for listening and have a great night